Well, they needed to hold on for dear life to get it, but the Nashville Predators walk away with a 2-1 win over the Calgary Flames. A very, very much-needed win. We'll talk about how they got it today on the Locked on Predators podcast. Your Locked on Predators, your daily podcast on the Nashville Predators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Predators your first listen of the day. Every single day, we're your free daily Nashville Predators podcast that's available to you wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. I'm Nick Morgan. I'm a writer and editor at OnTheForeCheck.com, and I have a partner in crime. You do. I am Ann Kimmel. I'm a writer and editor at InsideThePreds.com. So it wasn't easy, but the Nashville Predators come away with a 2-1 win over the Calgary Flames. And if you're just scanning through some of the stats, uh, shots on goal, for instance, um, might be a little bit of a misleading story. So the Nashville Predators went up 2-0 in the first period. Goals by Roman Yossi. Maybe. Kind of looked like it went off Cody Glass, but they gave it to Yossi. Uh, Yuso Parsonen continues his absolute tear uh, to get a goal. Uh, Nikita Zadorov got one back for the Flames in the second period, towards the end of the second period. Uh, and then the third period was an absolute free-for-all. A lot <laughs> of penalties on the Preds kind of marred that period. Calgary had 21 shots on goal in the third. Predators did everything they could to try to give this one away, but UC Soros came through with another career performance. Lots of great saves on this one. 2-1, the final score. And what is your one word to describe the game? So my one word is a throwback word to a game from the 80s. I don't know. Did you ever play the game Perfection? Is that the... No, it's Mousetrap. Uh, no, but that sounds really fun also. I'm just okay. that. Whatever no. you're humming sounds delightful. No, so perfection, it's this game. It comes in a box. It's a red, red kind of plastic box. It has a yellow top. It's one of those things where the colors are engraved in your brain because it is supposed to be fun, but it is a little bit emotionally scarring. And the... The top of the game has all these different shapes. Oh, like, you know, do you remember what I'm talking about? Oh, no, I, yes. had the, I had the wrong jingle. It was dun 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 dun. Make the right connection. Dun dun dun. You're erasing the clock. Pow! Pop goes perfection. That's it. Yes. Okay. okay. I forgot the jingle, but look at us. Oh, I, had, I knew there was a jingle. Yes. Yes. So we used to play this game with my cousins all the time. And it was like the most popular game that we had that we would play. And you would have these little pieces and you would have to fit them in their spaces. Here's what made perfection the most emotionally scarring, anxiety producing activity for children in the 80s. You pushed the board down and there was a clock. And I think it was 60 seconds, but you would hear tick. 
And then you would have all this time to rush and put these pieces in there. But as you got closer to running out of time, it would and you could just like, you would feel like just the nerves come. And if you didn't get all of them in, the the face of the game pops up and all the pieces go everywhere, which is supposed to be fun, but it's a little bit like a jack in the box, not fun for anybody, like a little bit terrifying. That's what that game felt like last night to me. It was like playing perfection. You're like, oh, I can clearly fit these pieces in these spaces. I mean, this, you know, I'm starting the game. Look at this. Pieces are fitting easy. I'm not having any problem. And then you get to the half moon because there were two half moons. One was bigger, one was smaller. And if you got those mixed up, you just wasted time and you could feel that. Tick, 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 tick. Yeah. And that was the third period for the Nashville Predators was like those seconds before you knew it was getting ready to pop and things were going to fly everywhere. It was what was supposed to be super fun. And at the at the beginning, this game was super fun, up to nothing after the first. The third period was a little bit nerve-wracking. So for me, this whole this whole 60 minutes was really just a microcosm of 60 seconds of the game perfection. Yeah, it was a little bit anxiety inducing. Yes. And, and it kind of ties into my one word, mm -hmm. which is check engine light. Oh gosh! I guess, like, <laughs> I guess that's like multiple words combined into one word. But we we break the rules. We break the rules here. Yeah, because this is like you know you know the situation, and you're driving along. You're on a nice big road trip. You're making a good time, and that check engine light pops up. Let's say for the present happened like second period. You're like, uh, oh, you know what? That's that's good. You know, we got a nice two nothing lead. Everything is great. Uh, and then you get towards the end of the second period and, you know, Calgary scores and there's now a ding that goes with the check engine light. Yeah. It's now just like a little oil thing. It's popped in now. But, you know, you still got, you know, a decent amount of time to go. And it's like, yeah, I'll get there. Worry about that another time. You're driving. You're driving. And you're starting to notice the steam come up <laughs> from your roof. You're starting to notice the car is making a weird noise. Uh, you're starting to hear some clanking and you're, you're hoping to get there. You see where you need to go. You can park it in the driveway and maybe take a look at it, uh, later, maybe take a mechanic out while you're out doing some hikes or your little activities or whatever you're doing. Uh, and then by the time you get to the finish line, it's just like a vibrating chunky <laughs> mess of a car yes. that barely rolls into the driveway with like steam coming out. You think that might be fire and you see Saros is like the bottle of water that you pour into the radiator just to keep it from exploding <laughs> or like just another, like just another like 20 minutes, like give me yes. 20 minutes. That's all I need. You see Saros <laughs> was like the water bottle that you poured it in. It's like, look, this is this is this is a piece of crap. This is going to explode at any second. But by God, I'm getting to the finish line, and UC Saros is going to get me there. That seemed like the Hazardville Predators. It was just like a lot of little mistakes started popping up in the second period. That's like okay, that's fine. It won't burn the Predators that much. And then in the third period, <laughs> they're just like passing pucks to Calgary Flames in their own zone. Like it was like Philip Forsberg had a drop pass to a Calgary flame that led to a two on one. And I'm like, 
I'm like, oh, this is this is this is a broken down car about to just spontaneously combust. Yes. That David Poyle's gonna throw a new coat of paint on and maybe some fresh tires and yep. and, and do this all again next year. Oh, oh whoa. Hey, he may go out. He may end up going out and getting something new. That's a that's a whole podcast for another day, though. But I like the analogy when we tackle that topic. Yeah. I mean, I feel, I feel like if you go out and get somebody like Bo Horvat, that's just putting like racing stripes mm-hmm. on your car that has a 38 year old engine right in the center of it. <laughs> I know. Let's not. Let's not. I want us to bring up somebody that is the analogy of interior lights that change color to the beat of the music to the base of the music that's what i want for the nashville predators i'm sure we can find that hey there might be a couple people from this game we can say that about because there are some pretty good performances especially as ann mentioned from the younger players so there's a couple guys we want to highlight first though want to mention today's show is brought to you by bet online betonline.net is your number one source for sports betting info stats news and analysis you can get the latest odds and trends for every professional amateur league out there from pro football to college basketball to the nba nhl european soccer tennis golf whatever name a sport they've got it at betonline.net and if you love sports podcasts like the one you're listening to right now you can find those at Bet Online as well. They're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about all the action happening today. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right. So you wanted to find your car strobe lights, like the subwoofers in the back, maybe the little disco ball that's coming down from the taped up sunroof of this car that's going to wind up in a scrapyard soon. And let, who, who's one player that you want to call out uh, for a good performance last night? There's a there lot were, to choose from. There were. There were a lot to choose from, and that's kind of nice. Don't always have that every game. But for me, I want to shout out young Yuso Parsonen. So this is a young kid who has come up in the NHL, and I don't think there's been a period of time in – his NHL Nashville time where you felt like, you know what, he could use a little bit more time in the AHL to work on some big holes in this game. He played so well last night. Of course, he did have a goal at the end of the first period, one of those just greasy goals. And here's what I like about that goal, Nick. He came out of the penalty box. He clearly spent some time repenting because then he went right down and got in front of the net in front of Jacob Markstrom and made sure that puck made it past the goalie. So Yuso Parsonen was a great game. This was his seventh game in a row with a point tying Philip Forsberg for a point streak. I don't mm-hmm. think this I don't think they have the record for the rookie with the most. This is a rookie record. I think there's somebody else that may have it, but we'll look. No, that's that's a rookie record. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a the rookie team record. record. The team record is 16 uh, from JP Dumont. That's it, JP Dumont. For some reason, like I can't think of who it was that was the team record. So yeah. he has a way to go to get into that record book. But for a rookie to come up to Nashville and play as well as he has played, and he has played consistently well for the Predators. Um, smart 
this kid is just really smart when it comes to hockey. I thought he had a fantastic game. And it's getting to the point where Parson and having a fantastic game is just not a surprise anymore. That's good because yes. that's what you expect yes. from your top six players is guys that you don't have to go out and it's like, oh, yeah, great game by them. You just kind of grow to expect it. You know, it feels like that's why sometimes we talk about like, you know, Philip Forsberg less and less down the stretch. And it's just like, yeah, he might break the goal record. But, you know, that's that's kind of what you want. But that's a good sign for you. So Parson and two. And it's, you know, very quietly under the radar. He now has nine points in his last seven games during the seven game point streak. And that's big because as we talked about in plus minus yesterday, and if you remember, there was a long time after that, you know, his really hot start where he really wasn't finding the score sheet and you kind of forgot about him. Yeah. You're like, oh, yeah, Yuso Parson still on this team because he didn't really do a lot to stand out. Now he is, you know, it, it's like, it, it, you know, the Preds are finally finding somebody who's able to go out there and play consistently. And you saw him. You know, even though he was moved down the lineup, he wound up managing uh, to get some really good chances, especially on the power play, too. You know, he mm-hmm. was out there on the power play. One late power play at the end that didn't look good. But I think for he's generating a lot of really good things uh, when he's on the ice. And I could actually say the same thing, and about Cody Glass. You know, Let's Cody go. Glass was the 1C last night. He got bumped up to play between Forsberg and Duchesne. That is a lot of responsibility uh, for a young player. And we mentioned Cody Glass has earned it. He's doing a lot of things well on both ends of the ice. You're starting to see uh, defensively he's become a little bit more responsible. And I think that's maybe why John Hines is, you know, saying, okay, fine, and putting him on the first unit. Uh, he's does a lot of things really well. Like we said, it probably should have scored a goal last night. Uh, they're you know, not taking anything away from Roman Yossi, but that, that puck, I think we can agree that puck definitely went off Cody glass, right? I mean, how could it not have? He was, and even if the puck didn't, which I'm with you, I suspect some, some, some part of Cody glass's body made contact with just puck. say the butt and, no, I'm not going to say that. I'm not. His, but his juicy posterior nope, was able to cause a deflection. Not going to say that either. But even if the puck did not make contact with Cody Glass, he was there in front of the net. And you know what? Cody Glass is not necessarily a player that I would look at in this lineup and say, this is somebody who needs to be net front. Like in my mind, you think Tanner Janot, you think somebody bigger. He really is so good getting in the the path, the vision of a goaltender and finding the puck. So I am loving the game we're seeing from Cody Glass. Yeah. And he's got the he's got the good mix of size and mm-hmm. skill that you know you kind of covet in in like a top, you know, center role. You know, I'm trying to I was trying to find like a really good comparison for like what maybe Cody Glass can become. Um and, and I couldn't really, like, think of one. Like, the closest I came was maybe, like, David Krejci in Boston. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, just kind of that same yeah. sort of, you know, underrated physical, but also some very good skill. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how he develops. And, and hopefully, you know, especially given a, a recent uh, Ellie Tolvanen 
interview. Uh, maybe, you know, hopefully the, the Preds give him some consistency as to what they expect out of him. Yeah, I want to see Cody Glass not be compared to anybody. And then like 10 years from now, these young players come in and people say, you know who he reminds me of? He reminds me of Cody Glass. That's what I want to see happen. Love that kid. Love you know that what? kid. Better than, uh, better than a Cole Smith comparison, right? Look, I have no beef with Cole Smith. Either. I don't either. I don't either. I just wanted to make the fan base mad. Okay, here's something that I do want to say about Cole Smith in this game. Cole Smith was called for a tripping penalty, and I am still, like, I almost lost sleep over with righteous indignation, <laughs> okay, over this third period Cole Smith tripping penalty against Nazem Kadri. Look, just because Cole Smith takes up a lot of space that Nazem Kadri can't get between the boards and around does not mean it's a trip. I felt like Cole Smith got robbed on that one. And I think people will jump on it. Oh, look at him making this, this, you know, dumb penalties. Yeah. That was a bad call. Cole Smith, man, bad call. Yeah. Let, uh, let a lot of people to be able to jump on him though. That's for sure. Well, some people are looking just maybe if they stopped looking for that, they'd see some other things. I don't yeah. know. Uh, so something else I want to talk about and maybe like the big elephant in the room from this game is how concerned are you with another third period near meltdown, uh, which has kind of happened a lot here recently. Let's, let's get to that in just a second. Mm -hmm. Yep. We're going to talk about that third period and I definitely have some thoughts on that, that, that tie into a topic that we talk about a lot, penalties. Again, going to dive into that in just a minute. But first, want to let you know today's episode is brought to you by our great friends at Athletic Greens. Look, I started taking AG1 because they, like Nick said, sent us a box of this. And the more I read about it, the more I thought, this is something worth trying. I don't have time to go out and buy all these pills and vitamins and make sure I'm getting what I need. I just wanted something easy to add in my life that was going to help with energy, focus, recovery, gut health, and that's exactly what AG1 does. And it does it by not tasting terrible. It actually tastes fantastic. It is the easiest thing to add in your life for health. Simply take one delicious scoop of AG1. You're going to put it in some water. You're going to stir it up. No need for a blender or other ingredients. And you're going to absorb 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens that are going to help you start your day right. And like I said, it supports gut health. It supports recovery, energy, immune system, focus. It's lifestyle friendly, so whether you've decided to eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, you can still incorporate Athletic Greens into your lifestyle, and it costs less than $3 a day. So skip the cold brew and try some AG1 into your life. It's a small micro habit with big benefits. It's one thing you can do every single day to improve your health and take better care of yourself. So right now, it is just time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. Easy to drink, tastes great. There is no need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. 
To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D, and they're going to send you five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, Ann. So we talked about some high points in this game, some good mm-hmm. performances from uh, young people, and we also another good performance from UC Saros, which we haven't really touched on at this point. But let's let's just say you know we talk talk about guys where you just expect them to have a good performance. Yeah. Um. We let's get to the let's get to the elephant in the room, and that is another near third period absolute meltdown from the team in front of UC Soros. Uh, as we mentioned, you know, the Preds actually outshot the Flames 24 to 18 going into that third period. The Flames outshot the Preds 21 to 5, including, uh, if I'm doing math correctly here, uh, 15 out of the last 16 shots were from Calgary on UC Saros. That's a lot. And you mentioned, you mentioned it earlier. There's the penalties, Mm -hmm. the Cole Smith one, maybe the Tanner Janot, uh, you know, the, the puck over the glass immediately after that one. And then the Dante Fabro tripping against Dylan Dubé, you know, you heard, uh, you know, Chris Mason talk about it last night too. It's just like the way Janot cleared that puck. It was like, He's like, oh, yeah, that's that's like something with his stick you're not supposed to do. You're supposed to always do it, you know, forehand. Yeah. So, so it's even they're noticing. It's like, okay, these are like very small mistakes that are leading to potentially some big consequences. And, you know, what it did for the Preds is they just couldn't get any momentum going. Yes. In that third period. And also, also let's, let's go back. You know, the Predators did have a power play late in the game that looked like a penalty kill. Oh, it was so bad, y'all. You know, the Calgary, the Calgary Flames had more time set up in their offensive zone than the Predators had in their, than the Predators had in Calgary's zone. And the Predators were the ones with the power play. And it's just like, boy, if, if UC Soros wasn't UC Soros, we would be talking about a very different conversation right we now would. about this team. Like he he bailed them out of what was going to be a very angry, tense conversation. Yeah. And what is frustrating when you're talking about that third period and some of the breakdowns is that the first two periods weren't like that. You know, Nashville really controlled play at five on five. Nashville really um, did a great job. Oh, I might sneeze. Bless you. They did such a great job um, moving the play up up the ice. They did such a great job connecting on passes. They did such a great job controlling the pace of this game. It was, they were really dominant in so many areas in the first two periods. And it was such a, almost a shocking third period and penalties are a huge issue. And we talk about penalties all the time. And yes, it's this two minutes where you're down a man and you're putting pressure on UC Soros. 
But those early penalties in the third period just absolutely interrupted the momentum that Nashville had through this whole game, and they couldn't get that back. And that is the, you know, these penalties cost you so much more than two minutes and a man. And we saw that with this third period. It just cost Nashville so much. And I'm with you. If you don't have UC Soros in net for that third period, what does this game look like? And at some point, you have to stop putting that on UC Soros. Execution in the first and second period by the the team overall, so much better. In the third period, my husband refers to it as the Bad News Bears, this old TV show about, you know, these young kids playing baseball, and they're just a little bit like, whoop, you know. That's what the third period was. The Predators have a consistency issue. They have a consistency issue, a 60-minute consistency problem. And I felt really good about this game through the first 40 minutes. Those last 20 minutes, man, that timer in the perfection game was counting down and getting louder, and it was a nerve-wracking win. We've said that before, too. Remember that Colorado game right before Christmas where we were watching, and I was like, this is like the best game the Predators have played in a very long time. And then by the end of the third period, it was like, wow. What the, what the heck is with this team? Yeah. We said that with Dallas too, you know, mm-hmm. there's like a lot of them where you look at it and he's like, this is, this is like, a, like the, one of the best like starts the predators have had all season. Like they look so good. And then it just comes crashing down to earth. Why do you think that is, Anne? Like, do you think it really is just, other teams are starting to put on the pressure and the Preds can't handle it. Do you think it's a fatigue thing? Do you think it's just like a mental focus thing? Because it's like, you know, I, I, the play Philip Forsberg made, I think it was Philip Forsberg. And I think Mikhail Granlin made one too, where it was just like, not even like a turnover. Like it was a pass to yes. somebody on the other team. Yeah. And it's almost, you know, it's, it's plays like that. Is it just like you're maybe rushing things or do you think maybe you're not taking like enough time to kind of sit and breathe? Or is it just like, you know, kind of a lazy mistake? I'm curious what you think is behind some of these like big third period turnarounds. Mm-hmm. I wonder how much is coming off of that five game road trip, because I do think that those are extra exhausting, but here's the thing. All of these teams are doing road trips like that. And John Hines said something kind of interesting in one of his recent, very recent post games. And I don't think it was last night's. It might've been the, it might've been Buffalo, but he was talking about inconsistency and he made a comment and I apologize because I'm not going to get it right, but his comment, sort of the gist of it was, you know, there's inconsistencies in the mental toughness in the mental game. And I'm very curious about that because I wonder, is this an element of, look at who played 40 minutes. We're, we're dominating this team. Whew, yeah. And then come out and all we have to do is finish the game. And, and there are 20 minutes left in a game. That is more than we have to finish a game. So I wonder if it is, you know, we're seeing this inconsistency in play. We're seeing, you know, times where the Predators are inconsistent in offense. Sometimes they're putting up, you know, six goals. Sometimes they're getting by with two goals. Is there some sort of mental 
inconsistency with this team? And if so, how do you fix that? It's interesting that he like brings up the mental aspect of it because we have said on this podcast before, it's like sometimes they get hit in the mouth mm-hmm. and instead of hitting back, they kind of like get sit stunned. Like they're waiting for like a 10 count. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they're sitting there like with ears ringing and, you know, holding their face, you know, they're not getting up to, you know, counter punch or anything like that. And that's kind of been a problem really since the start of last calendar year, you know, where the predators were up really big and, you know, you kind of see it in games, but you also kind of see it like out on the schedule as a whole. Like we said, the predators played really well. They had that, you know, winning streak going, Mm-hmm. They went to Toronto. They played really well against Toronto. Yes. Lost at the very end in a heartbreaking fashion. And then the next game played one of their worst games of the season. And that mm-hmm. lost to Montreal. And it's just like you see a lot of that. Where it's just like things are going well. And then like one loss happens. Where it's like it's not even like a bad loss. It's just like, you know a loss that hops up in the schedule. You're not going to win 82 games. Right. Like one thing happens and you see it during games. Like you will play really well during games and one goal happens or one like kind of oof turnover that leads to a goal or one oof play. Mm -hmm. And it's just like the floodgates open for the other team. And so it is very interesting that John Hines brings up the mental aspect because that's something you and I not being in that locker room, but just as fans mm-hmm. have talked about where it just seems like sometimes they get hit in the mouth and they don't have a response. You know, they just kind of lay there, you know, looking up at the, you know, in, in wrestling, they call it the three second tan you know, <laughs> where you're laying out there for three seconds for the, for the pin to fall, you know, it's like, yeah, it's like they'll, they'll take like, you know, just like the first punch of the day is a finishing move. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know how to fix that really. Yeah. And, and is it a confidence thing? Because, you know, they'll say we're a confident group and you watch that first and second period of play last night in the game. And you say, that is a group that is playing with confidence. That is a group that knows we have got talent that can compete, but then you watch the third period. And I wonder if that um, goal that was called back, the the Tyler Toffoli trying out for the Radio City Rockets kicking the puck. Whoa, come on, dude. Yeah. Um, if that was just enough, even though it didn't come out on the scoreboard, is that enough to shake the confidence of this team? Is it a mental, is there a mental component of this? And if so, that is a harder fix, I think, than yeah. to say, we need to clean up passing execution, which in the third period is something they definitely do. Like y'all look at your shirt, look at their shirts, pass the puck to a guy whose shirt looks like yours. You know, you can clean those kind of execution issues up, but I really wonder how much of this is a mental component, a confidence component when we're seeing games like this, where 40 minutes of great play, something happens, and then they kind of struggle to get back on their skates. Yeah, that's a big thing they need to fix because you're mm-hmm. going to play some games, and where things are not going to go your way. A uh, lot of good teams on the schedule left. And so, True. yeah, you hope they find some way where they can kind of 
turn things around and find that confidence late in games again, because, you know, we've seen this Nashville Predators franchise do some great things when they play with confidence, they go out there and they can compete with any team in the NHL, but they got to realize that the, some really good teams are going to punch. I agree. And you got to punch back. So we'll see if, if they can do that. We'll see if they can do that tonight, actually. The Predators played the Columbus Blue Jackets uh, at home at Bridgestone Arena. Blue Jackets, not a great team, but they've beaten the Predators once this year. So buckle up. Careful. (laughs) Should be a great night. We'll have a recap for you tomorrow on the Locked on Predators podcast. And where can the people find your work? You can find my work online at insidethepreds.com and you can find me on Twitter at ANK underscore Mama on Ice. You can find me at ontheforecheck.com. Follow me on Twitter at underscore NSMorgan. And while you're there, be sure to follow the show at LO underscore Predators. Interact with us during games. We love to hear from you. However you're listening to this podcast, whether you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform like Apple, Spotify, or Amazon, Or if you're watching us live on YouTube, be sure to hit that subscribe button so you'll always know when we have fresh content out for you or another show ready to drop. That's going to do it for us on today's Locked on Predators podcast. That's, uh, yeah, I've just fumbled the end of that, but have a good day, everybody. (laughs) 